like, if you don't mind, to just sort of get right into what God has for me. We've expended a lot of energy on praise and worship, and I'm just praying that God has left a little bit for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The scripture that we're going to be going from this morning that's going to be the subject is going to be found in the book of Esther. In the book of Esther. And it's going to be a little bit different than what you're probably used to hearing as it pertains to Esther. But I just would like your attention to be with me. I guess we're not going to put it on the screens. <laughs> well. All right. So if you don't mind, just briefly stand as we read the word of God. Hallelujah. Just briefly. Just two scriptures. And the word of God reads, And on that day, King Ahasuerus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. And all the people said, Amen. You may be seated. As Pastor Relifer says in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Father, oh, we just thank you. Mm, what an awesome and wonderful God you've shown yourself to be once again. Father, let your word go forth, Lord, into this fertile field. These are your people, God, and so I ask, Lord, that whatever it is that needs to be said, Father, that you say it, Lord, and then on the other hand, God, that whatever needs to be received from what you say, God, let it be received, Lord, and we will give you the glory, honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about the subject, play along for the long play. Play along for the long play. You never know where your blessing is going to come from. I want to just speak briefly about the men's ministry and how God was so amazing in that respect. In March, some of the Men After God ministry leaders went down to a particular place to assess whether or not we were going to have our men's uh, retreat there for this year. And so we went down there and we let them know our requirements based on our bishop, and they gave us some requirements, and we signed the contract with them. When we went to our retreat in August, when we got there, and, and I have to say this, I'm not casting any aspersions on anybody or any entity because God had everything planned for what he was going to do. And so when we got there, we noticed that things were exactly 
the way they were five months earlier when we came to visit in March. And then when we were assigned our rooms, it was important that a few of us hightailed it to the nearest Walmart. And when we got back, we sprayed down the rooms with Lysol. Hallelujah. Afterwards, we went to the main social hall area, and we went to the recreation room, and we found things the same as they were five months prior. And so the next morning, keeping all of this in mind, we went to the chapel to prepare the sessions for that day. But instead, we then had a meeting to discuss whether we should leave or stay. Because things had not been done as we had expected and, had we, and as we had signed a contract for. So I needed to present to the men, now we have a choice to make. And so we had a meeting and we asked the brothers that were there in this chapel, we said, should we leave or should we stay? And the first two brothers spoke up and what they essentially said was, let's kick rocks. Yeah, he said, hey, I, I, I need somebody to help me load my bags. And the other one said, I got money on gas. <laughs> and I'm not, mentioning, I'm not mentioning any names but one. Brother Barry Manier. We asked him, he was the third person. We asked him, Brother Barry, should we leave or should we stay? And Brother Barry stood up. And all he said was, I bless God for all you brothers. Listen, if you understood the situation as it was, he was like God was speaking because he didn't respond to the question. He gave us what God told him to say, which was, I bless God for all you brothers. There was an immediate shift. At that point, and the individual that said, let's kick rocks, then said, so now that we're going to stay, what is it that we're going to do about it? So the men got together, and we went over to the social hall, and we cleaned it from the ceiling to the floor, from the windows to the doors. We scrubbed that place clean, and then... God came in. Hallelujah. Because we had prepared the sanctuary and the altar for him. Mm. Hallelujah. And God was there from that point forward. The theme of the men's retreat was visualize, strategize, and operate. It was called the manna provides. So we visualized the situation, we strategized a solution, and then we operated according to what God had said. Somebody give God a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was a great event. Whew. It was a great event. And so the will of God was carried out. And, and I want to add just one thing. See, we were concerned about how pastor would feel coming to a place that was less than 
clean, you know, because Bishop is a man of cleanliness. And he's a man of excellence. And when Bishop came, it was prepared for him because it was clean by the time he got there. And then what he saw, see, God will give your leader things that you can't see. See, when we saw dirt and we saw cobwebs and we saw other things, Bishop saw progress. He saw a place that we can use for the future. As a matter of fact, Bishop said, hey, next year we'll send somebody down two days in advance to get it cleaned up because this is a place where we can do the will of God through the men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So next year we're going back, only we're going back with a plan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Colossians 3 and 23 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Visualize, strategize, operate. We did it because God was in it. Hallelujah. Now on to what I really want to share with you. I just felt that was important to say. Because men are important to the Lord. Hallelujah. In November of 1977, I decided that living under my father's strict authority was no longer an option. I had taken the Popeye approach. That's all I can stands, because I can't stands no more. <laughs> and I did what any rational intelligent young man would do when faced with too much authority. I joined the army. <laughs> I went from the frying pan to the fire. <laughs> I entered through the delayed entry program and you sign up now but you leave later. And so I signed up based on my emotional condition at that time. But see, when it was time to leave, God had restored my relationship with my father. And though here I am now stuck in a commitment that I made, I find myself where I had to play along with what was a long play. By the time I left, the day that I left, me and my father both cried. And when I was on that bus headed to the airplane to to ride to my basic training, I remember thinking, boy, you really did it this time. Mm. But, but what my father had said to me, he said to me, he said, you wrecked it, you fix it. See, he said that to me two years prior when I wrecked my car. And what he really was saying to me was that if you make a decision, regardless of the outcome, you have to first Take responsibility for your decision. Then you have to deal with the consequences. And then you take measures to correct what you did. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. My father taught in me responsibility. If you make a bad decision, stand up regardless, and do what's right. So in all that strict learning, I did learn that from him. And so no matter what I did from that point on, even if it had a bad outcome, I took responsibility for the things that I had done. Y'all stay with me just for a few minutes. 
The Bible tells us in Galatians 6 and 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. I had to bear the burden of making that decision nine months prior when God had already had the solution worked out. See, that's what happens to us sometimes. We think we need to make a decision for God. Of course, that was before I had a relationship with God, but still God was in it the whole time, and I recognize that to this day. And so I had to bear my own burden. I played that soldier role for three-plus years. Hallelujah. Mm. Playing along means to assume a role, and I assumed that I was a soldier. So when we talk about train up a child, when my oldest daughter, Lakeisha, was about two years old, I painted the alphabet on the walls in her bedroom. And then I would hold her in my arms and I would point and recite to every letter. And it wasn't long that when we were out and about that the results of that training started to pay off because as a child of only two years old, she would say, look, Daddy, an A. Or look, Daddy, a D. And so this one time we were in a doctor's office in the waiting room and she said, look, Daddy, an E, an R, and she was pointing to these letters, and this boy about five or six years old was sitting next to us, and he said, Mama, do you hear that little baby? And that mother said, I wouldn't be surprised about anything that comes out of the mouth of that child. What she was really saying was that that child is being trained in intelligence. I wouldn't be surprised about anything that comes out of the mouth of that child. And I'll finish that one a little bit later. What that showed me was that that event was my responsibility to train up my child. See, too many parents today don't train up their children. See, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. If God is looking down, that means we're to look up to see God, who he is. It says you can train your children, but are you training them up? Hmm. You may think you're teaching your kids to survive by fighting fire with fire and by showing them an eye for an eye, but in reality, you're teaching them to play along with a system that's designed to destroy them in the long play. Colossians 3 and 1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Train up a child. The word up is from the Greek word kalnak, which means to dedicate. We're to dedicate or devote our children to the ways of God. God is up and the devil is down. Don't train your kids down. Train them up. Isaiah 45 and 22 says, Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. We train our kids for the long play when we train them up. So I tried to do it with all my kids. I said I tried to do it with all my kids. So I would read to Latrice 
And she was especially fond of a Bible book story about Nicodemus. And one day when she was about two and a half years old, when we were getting ready to read the book, she took the book and opened it and read it page for page, word for word. And we were astonished about the fact that this little two-and-a-half-year-old memorized an entire book. By the time she graduated high school, she had already written two or three stories herself. She devoted her time, in spite of our many complaints, for staying in her room hours upon hours writing. Not helping more with the chores with what we felt she should be doing. Not getting out and getting a job like what we felt she should be doing. To her, we must have sounded like that teacher in Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. Mm. You see, sometimes we forget the training that we instill in our own children because life circumstances change. Situations change. Circumstances change. The devil does not change, and neither does God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Psalm 119.89 says, Oh, Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Another definition of play along is to do what someone asked you to do for a limited period of time. And so Latrice played along with her parents' demands, but she kept her focus on what her calling and anointing was. She worked, a, I'm going somewhere, stay with me. She worked a couple of jobs which didn't agree with her nature for as long as she could stomach them, but her eyes remained on the prize. She knew that the long play was on the way. And I must say this about Latrice, it was her faith that she would be rewarded for her diligence that drove her desire to expose the artistic industry as it relates to fairness and equality for women and people of color. It is a noble cause, and Galatians says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In other words, play along for the long play. Somebody say, play along. And say, long play. As we look at today's scripture, the book of Esther begins with King Xerxes, is what they really called him. King Xerxes was a really flamboyant type of king, and in the third year of his reign, that three sort of coincides with perfection. So in the third year of his reign, he threw a lavish party that lasted six months long. Oh, yeah, some of y'all in here talking about, oh, yeah, that's a long time, but some of y'all in here have been partying for the last 10 years. <laughs> I myself partied for about 38 years, so six months is a breeze for me. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he threw this lavish party, and, and there was very intricate things that he did. Every person that attended that party drank out of a cup that was not like any other cup. So all of these people had their own individual cups. If you remember, um, elder that came here and said, everybody has a coat. See, everybody had a cup. 
And they so filled it with wine because the king said, let the wine flow. And so the word, the scripture says that everybody had a waiter beside them waiting to pour the wine. Hallelujah. And so at the end of this party, he then held a seven-day event for those that were remaining. And the word of God says that those from the highest to the lowest were invited to this after-party party. God is amazing that no matter what your position is, even if you're the lowest, he will show you what he's capable of doing for you. He can move you from the pit to the palace. Hallelujah. You just have to be in proper place to receive that blessing. And so at this party, he said, I want to show off my wife. He said, bring Queen Vashti to me. He summoned the queen and the queen who was throwing her own party with the ladies of the kingdom in another part of the palace. <laughs> I ain't going there. No doubt she was saying a few things about the fact that he had been partying for six months. Maybe that got on her nerves or whatever, but she wouldn't go when he summoned and, and the king was left with a dilemma. Oh, he was seething with anger and frustration. And the king said, what are we to do? And if you remember when Bishop preached on anger, it says, hey, don't let the devil get a foothold when you're angry. And the Bible said that he normally, as his custom, would call on advisors and counselors. And so he did that. He gathered these men together because the word says that that was his custom to do. Ooh, praise God that you have a man, a leader who knows the value of getting counsel from many as opposed to making a decision on its own without thinking about the consequences. Hallelujah. So it sounds like what we're dealing with this day in more ways than one. And so he had counsel, and the counsel said, hey, listen, you got to kick her to the curb. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I'm paraphrasing. He said, listen, if, if you don't kick her to the curb, all the women in the kingdom think they can treat all their men this way. A little bit of yeast leaving the whole loaf. <laughs> so he said, okay, that's good with me. Let's do it. So he kicked her to the curb. And then as we move into the, the third chapter, it says that, that he was having second thoughts about that decision. Now, I, I assume that King Xerxes was getting lonesome. <laughs> and he was starting to mill over. You know, I, I don't know if I want to continue with this particular situation and so one of his units came to him and said hey why don't we do this why don't we gather all the virgins in the camp in the land and get them together so you can choose one to replace king Vashti and so the thought of virgins in the land really appealed to him he said let it be so and now we're introduced to Mordecai Mordecai we're told was the cousin of Esther the Bible tells us that Mordecai reared Esther. In other words, Mordecai raised Esther. In other words, Mordecai trained up Esther because her parents were dead. And so Mordecai took on that responsibility. Thank God for family members who take on responsibility when tragedy occurs. I bless God for all of the uncles, aunts, grannies, grandpas, that take up the mantle to raise the kids when tragedy occurs. I sometimes cringe when I'm at a store and 
and I hear how some young parents, fathers, and mothers speak to their children. It turns my stomach because that's a person. And they need respect. And you can't just talk to any person any kind of way. It turns my stomach. And sometimes I want to say something, but uh, discretion is the better part of valor. So Mordecai raised Esther. And the word of God says he reared her. In other words, he cared for her deeply. He looked out for Esther. So the story is actually the book of Esther, but I'm actually talking about Mordecai. If you remember when um, Bishop preached, he says, we, have, we don't have to act, react immediately to everything that's presented to us in reference to the king's anger. See, it's best to be assumed a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. In Exodus 23 and 20, it says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. And the angel for Esther was Mordecai. Hallelujah. The Bible says he brought, him up, brought her up as his own daughter. And we want the best for our own daughters. I never treated my children as if I didn't care for them. No matter how bad I became, they still knew that their daddy loved them. And once we've trained up our children, when the proper time comes, we must then release them with what we have learned. And this is in relation to now Esther is seen as a beautiful virgin, and Mordecai allowed her to be presented to Haman, who was responsible to gather all the virgins to present before King Xerxes. And so here we find now Mordecai having to release Esther to the world. Somebody say, play along. Play along. Mm. Mordecai told Esther, now listen, when you go, don't tell them where you're from or who your people are. Mm. Esther had not revealed it, her her people or her family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it in verse 10. It says, four years later, four years after turning her over, that Esther was taken to Xerxes, taken to the royal palace in the seventh year of his reign. Remember, the party was in the third year. Understand that for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Somebody say, play along for the long play. Well, Esther is chosen as the queen, and the king made a great feast, and he called that holiday Esther. So now we fast forward a little bit to Haman. When God has a plan for you, you can be assured that the devil is devoted to destroying you and the plan. Haman hated Mordecai. 
and all the Jews. The Bible said in verses 5 and 6, and I think this is in chapter 4, when Haman saw for himself that Mordecai didn't bow down and kneel before him, he was outraged. Meanwhile, having learned that Mordecai was a Jew, Haman hated to waste his fury on just one Jew. Mm. He looked for a way to eliminate not just Mordecai, but all Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. The devil don't want to just kill you. He wants to kill everybody associated with you, especially if you're walking and training up with your eye on the prize. His main goal is to interrupt your relationship with God. And he feels that if he can do that, then he's got you. But he doesn't want you alone. He wants everybody associated with you. You ever wonder sometimes why when you're someplace that it seems that just because for no reason at all, people seem to have an art against you. I remember a couple of times where I was confronted with individuals that had the same eyes. Different individuals, a little baby and a grown man, and then another grown man, three different locations, but the same eyes. I knew it was a spirit. The devil wants to destroy you utterly, and he ain't going to stop it just you. He wants to get everybody else that's with you. And so Haman hated the fact that he wanted just one. That wasn't enough. He wanted to kill all Jews and so he presented a plan to eradicate the Jews to the king Xerxes and if you remember what was said I think it was Pastor Relaford that said that the devil will that, that, that God will flip the plans of the devil on himself hallelujah and so Haman devised a plan to kill Mordecai by claiming what he was from a strange people who didn't respect the rules and the laws of the land, and that's who we are. It's not that we don't respect the rules and the laws of the land, but as people of God, we understand that we respect the rules and the laws of God. And they sometimes are contrary to the rules and the laws of the land. Similar, we have a president who hates all Mexicans. All Mexicans. Haman hated all Jews. When Mordecai heard that Haman wanted to destroy all Jews, Mordecai reached out into what he had trained up. And he shared with Esther the edict that, that Haman had put out. And Esther then, relying on what she had been trained up with, said, do this. Go back and tell all the people to fast and pray for three days. Eat and drink nothing day and night, and I and my maidens will do the same. Then I will approach the king, and if I live, I live, and if I die, I die. The train-up process was in full play. Now the long play was beginning. And so Esther, then, and I'm finishing up this story, so Esther after the fasting, then prettified herself. She was already a beautiful lady. She beautified herself and then stood outside the courts of the king, and the king saw her standing out there and raised his scepter and motioned for her to come in. And then Esther went in, 
and said, and the king said, what is it that you want? Half my kingdom is yours if you ask for it. Woo! Half my kingdom is yours because you asked for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> hallelujah. So, so Esther said, have dinner with me. Have dinner with me and invite Haman. As I'm starting my clothes, Haman came to the dinner and Esther prepared a meal for him and the king. And then the king said, what is it that you want? And Esther said, if the king, if I favor in the king's eye, one more day, one more day, have a dinner with me and Haman on tomorrow. And then I'll let you know what it is that I want. And Haman left that dinner feeling really proud of himself. He was bragging about how he had dinner with the queen and the king, and it was just them three, and how he's getting ready to kill Mordecai. He said, I got all this money. I got all this power. I built up all of this stuff. This is mine, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to build a gallows right by my house because the king said we can kill all these Jews, and we're going to start with Mordecai. So build this gallows 75 feet tall, put it right next to my house because I want to see him hang. Hallelujah. And while he was yet talking, the edict, the eunuchs of King Xerxes came and got him and took him away for the second meal. And so he's feeling pretty full of himself. And there he is at the second meal and, and then the king, after drinking some wine, says, Now, my queen, what is it that you want? And she said, I don't want to die. And the king says, What? And what are you talking about? And she says, Well, there is an edict that's been put out there that all my people are to be slaughtered on this certain day. And the king said, Who did this? Who is responsible for this? And Esther said, it's the one that hates the Jews. It's the evil Mordecai. And the Bible says, all oh, the color left his face. In other words, that dude almost fainted, y'all. Because he understood what had now happened. Isn't it amazing how God will take what the devil meant for bad and turn it around for your good? And the king was very upset at Mordecai, and I'm beginning to close. And the king said, what shall I do with him? And one of the eunuchs said, well, hey, dude got a gallow over there right next to his house. Why don't you just take it and put him on it? And the king said, that's pleasing to me. Make it so. And they hung Haman on the gallows right next to this house. And here we pick up in verse 8 where the word of God says, and... The king Xerxes gave all that Haman had to Esther. All that he had was given to the queen Esther. But that's not the story, y'all. The story is that Esther, being faithful to Mordecai, made sure that she told the king, this is my cousin. This is who raised me and trained me. And this is the reason why I'm here. And so she presented Mordecai to the king. And then the word of God says in chapter 2, 
verse, in verse chapter 8, verse 2, that the king took off his signet ring and gave it to Mordecai. The same ring that Haman had. Hallelujah. The God that we serve will destroy our enemies before us. The God that we serve will make our enemies a footstool beneath our feet. The God that we serve has our best interests in mind. Don't worry about what the adversary has set up for you. Keep your eyes trained up on the prize. And don't forget what you've learned. And as I am closing right now, it says in Proverbs 13 and 22, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. The long play may seem impossible. It may seem improbable. It may seem that it won't be resulting. It may seem that it's exhausted. Uh, it's, but, it's a but God event. But God comes into play. When there's no way out, but God. When you can't find a solution, but God. When there's a detrimental diagnosis, but God. When there's alcohol and drugs, but God. When you have no employment, but God. When your marriage is crumbling, but God. Whew. When you're underemployed, but God. But God, but God, but God. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now Latrice is recognized throughout the country and overseas for her literary accomplishments. I believe that it's the result of being trained up from the beginning. Who are you training up? Who are you taking responsibility for? Who are you leading to Christ? Train up. Play along for the long play. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, stand on your feet all over the building. Come on, wasn't that a wonderful word? Play along for the long play. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a plan for your life.